0: Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars' daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, February 28th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The NFL offseason does not begin after the Super Bowl. I believe the league squeezes in a couple of days in July and calls that the offseason. No, it's, it's been less than two weeks since the Chiefs' Super Bowl parade, and now Andy Reid and General Manager Brett Veach are in Indianapolis, along with more than 300 prospects at the NFL Combine on today's show we break down the nfl's top scouting session with a pair of guests first you'll hear from joe DeLeon. he's an executive producer of the believe podcast network and a bit of a draft expert he produces college football and nfl draft video content for youtube after a break you'll hear from our Herbie teope he's covering the combine for the star and will discuss chief's needs and possible moves like, how will the Chiefs handle players like Chris Jones, Orlando Brown Jr., and Juju Smith-Schuster? Okay, let's get started talking NFL Combine. Here is Joe DeLeon. Joe, it is great to have you on the Sportsbeat KC podcast. And why don't you remind us why the NFL brings more than 300 prospects to Indianapolis uh, every late February and early March? Um, what are they doing with these guys?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a really important part of the process that I think as onlookers and as fans of the game, we kind of see it as like, oh, they're, they're, it's just a workout. And how important can it really be? But we're getting to see the setting of these guys competing against one another. We're seeing how certain guys match up with one another, who's the better athlete, who can move the best, um, who's got the best, best flexibility, the best explosiveness. But one thing that behind the scenes that we don't get to see might be more important than the workout, which is, one, the medical rechecks, and two, the interviews. With these guys that suffer injuries during the season or might have long-term injuries that they sustain or even medical conditions, uh, that really impacts a lot of these guys' draft stocks. It is important for these teams to learn and understand what their bodies are like. If they've got a, a condition that is preventing them from playing more than three years, that's really important. Like A really good example, though, of the importance of this is Trey Smith, who's a a Kansas city chief right now came in and had a diagnosed heart condition. Now he's been fantastic for the chiefs, but that ultimately hurt his draft stock. He ended up falling way further than I think a lot of people expected because of the stock that was put in the evaluation made by the doctors at the NFL combine. And then the other aspect, the interviews are just a way for the teams to get acclimated with the personalities of the various players that are there. They want to maybe calm some concerns that they've heard of rumors of guys being difficult to work with or just trying to get a sense of how much football does this guy know? How much is he going to be able to step in right away and contribute? Does he fit the culture? Does he fit the vibe? Does he fit and get along with uh, the expected roster that he's going to be joining? All that, I think, is really important. Uh, and it's It's going to be a fun week, though, nonetheless, getting to see what these guys can do.
0: Are there some high-profile players this year that NFL teams want to get more information uh, regarding injuries? With uh, um, the one that comes to mind for me is Will Levis, who we found out uh, the Kentucky quarterback, you know, playing uh, on, on basically hobbling the, the second half of the season, uh, won games, but uh, but he seems to be one that uh, people want to know more about. Are there others like him?
1: I think the most important, like without a doubt, for me is is Hendon Hooker. And he's somebody who coming into the season for the entirety of the season, when he was on that Heisman trajectory, I was getting higher and higher on him as a prospect. And then he suffers the, the knee injury and then questions start to come into place. And when you don't finish the season, it's it's always the, you know, what have you done for me lately mentality for anybody where we get caught up with what other guys have done when somebody else might not be participating or on the field. And I got to see him at the Super Bowl at Radio Row and talk to him for a little bit. and. It seems positive. You know, he's moving around just fine. There's those videos of him throwing. Everything looks good. And as much as he can say and as much as his trainers can say everything is good, they still need to know for a fact that the recovery and the knee are in a position where maybe he can start week one. There are going to be teams that are going to think that this is the guy week one that they can plug in and step in right away. But I think Hennon Hooker probably is the most important because he's the highest profile that uh, suffered a a major injury that that held him back. And then I would just throw another one in there, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who missed the entirety of the year because of the injury that he sustained early on in the year, and he actively kind of chose to sit out. So we're going to find out really quick how severe of an injury that was and how ready to go he's
0: going to be. I tell you what, back to Hooker. He had he had worked his way into the Heisman race uh this season for Tennessee. So um very interesting. How about uh let's stay at the quarterback position and, and break it down? Um who who has the most to prove among the top uh guys at, at the combine or you know, do or do any of them? Let's just you know the top four that we think are are first rounders. Um what uh can, can anybody play their way up or play their way down from uh, you know from, from their you know projected draft position right now? Yeah,
1: I think that CJ Stroud is somebody who's gonna show up and and probably be more even keel amongst the group because we already know who CJ Stroud is. Bryce Young's not gonna throw, but the two that are the most important here because after we we get past the, the top five, which for me is Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, and Hooker, there is a pretty significant drop off. There's not really a lot of guys that can step in and play right away. But amongst this group, as we're trying to create separation amongst them, uh, I think Will Levis has a lot to prove if he is healthy, first of all. Um, how does he throw? Is he going to be erratic? Is he going to be all over the place? Or is he going to be uh, level-headed? Is he going to be consistent? I think he's one of those guys who there's going to be one deep ball that he throws that it's going to be really pretty and everyone's going to be ooing and awing at. But that, to me, doesn't matter if he's overthrowing guys and his ball placement's erratic. And Anthony Richardson's the same, but one thing I will add, and exactly the same in the throwing drills where he needs to be consistent, but the added layer to this is that Will Levis is a good athlete, but Anthony Richardson is a crazy athlete. He is an elite athlete playing the quarterback position and still getting acclimated to it. And while we already know that, the testing numbers, I think, are going to really uh, alter our perspective on him. I think it's it's just as always happens at the Combine that we get excited by big testing numbers, and some teams are going to fall in love with that. And I think if he physically tests better and throws just a little bit better than Will Levis, he's going to be the third quarterback off the board.
0: It's funny with the quarterbacks in college football, isn't it? Some years uh, you get you know guys... Competing for the national championship or winning the national championship, like Tua or you know, or Deshaun Watson or uh, Trevor Lawrence, and then you have this year's national championship game where you had Stetson Bennett winning winning his second in a row, going against Max Dugan uh, for TCU. Both are, uh, are going to be at the combine, but what are what are the draft uh, hopes for either one of the? quarterbacks that competed for the national championship
1: yeah talk about two completely different guys from like a physical standpoint and then like a personality standpoint and then just an on-field success standpoint Duggan was really hot and cold at the senior bowl and I think that I've really cooled off even though there wasn't like a ton of hype for me for Max Duggan I've cooled off on him where I think his his future is is a late late round pick and I think a team is going to think like, wow, this guy's a winner and somebody is going to draft him to be a long-term backup, but he's still, he's got the mentality for it. He's got the approach, but it's just a matter of, does he have the, the tools and the consistency to actually be an NFL quarterback and somebody who can step in and have an impact if a starter goes down? I think there's a lot of question marks about that and he might end up getting cut during training camp because he's in an ensuing battle. Stetson, on the other hand, I think is is somebody who's going to have a lot of, possibly a lot of attention on him if things don't go well. If no one's talking about Stetson Bennett this week, especially from the interview standpoint and the media standpoint, that is a win for him because he's already put himself in a negative spotlight with the way he handled himself with the DUI or not the DUI arrest, the public intoxication arrest that he had a few months ago. And I still stand by that being very concerning. And I know a lot of people say like, Oh, he just won a national championship. Let him enjoy himself the timeline for transitioning from finishing your season to preparing for the combine, there, there is no time. There's no break. You have to immediately transition to that. He should have been training. He shouldn't be out drinking. He shouldn't be out goofing around. And if he can properly answer those questions that are going to get asked of him by the media and by um, by NFL teams, I think that's going to be very important for him to, to calm those concerns.
0: Is there a Brock Purdy... the in the group uh i i
1: think if i were to give it to one guy it might be stetson but to be honest i don't see there being a brock purdy because brock purdy was so unique he was a COVID quarterback in a way where he was there so long uh and on top of that like there was a little hype for him at one point for brock purdy to be a, a second round early second round pick and we were trying to decide if the size and the physical limitations were enough to hold him back but Like the talent was there and the experience and the impact was there. He just got pushed down because of the draft process and him having a a bit of a weak last season. But no, I don't, I don't think that there's necessarily a a pinpoint Brock Purdy in this class.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, But before we talk a little chiefs, I I, the what part of the combine that I like is um, we kind of follow the, the college players from our area. And in our case, that's, Kansas State, Missouri, and KU. Um, there are some intriguing guys in that group. One, uh, maybe for me, would be the Kansas State uh, defensive end Felix Nudke Uzama. Uh, is, is there? Do you have a scouting report? How will you know how how could his combine go? How can he help himself?
1: Yeah, I, I think that he's a, a strong athlete. He's an above average one. The thing that's going to be typical for him is that there's just so many twitchy freaky athletes at the edge position this year where he might do well and he might have a very even week but because he's going up against guys in his performances like Lucas Van Ness like um, Will McDonald um, like Miles Murphy like Tyree Wilson those guys are going to stand out and shine and now that doesn't mean that he still can't be drafted in a good spot, but I I realistically see him as somewhere being a a, a day two pick because I also think that he's a, he's a very intriguing player Uh, and he might, you know, he might surprise in some of the testing categories, but can he win in some of these drills? Can he uh, stand out amongst the group with all these athletic freaks? There is important.
0: Okay, And how about among the group of uh, Julius Brents, the cornerback, Malik Knowles, the wide receiver and running back, Deuce Vaughn. Does anybody, um, any of those, you know, is there you know, move up potential I guess for any of those guys
1: now I don't think that Julius brentz is going to have a Tariq Wolin type workout I am very excited by Julius brentz because of how how tall he is I, I stood next to him at the senior bowl when I was asking him a question he's just he's so tall which feels so weird for for a corner but I think that he's a very nice athlete I think if we see him he for him for a tall corner it's really important to see how do they transition in these drills. there's a lot of open your hips up and go drills, get into your drop, show your transition ability. And a lot of times with these taller leggy corners, they're really clunky. They're really slow. And I think he should be able to establish himself as not just like a zone specific corner if he can transition well. So he's important. Uh, I'm a very big fan of Deuce Vaughn. Very, very big fan of Deuce Vaughn. I ranked him uh, as my third running back in this class. I don't know if he's going to be a crazy speed guy like i don't think he's going to be one of the the fastest running backs of the combine because his his long speed's a little bit deceptive but what gets so scary with deuce fawn is his ability to transition in space so like he's going to be somebody who does really well in the three cone and the uh in in the five ten five, those drills are going to be really, really fun to see what he can do. And he's just going to catch the football really well, too. That's that's going to be a big benefit of him. But I I'm a big fan of Deuce Vaughn. I think that he's going to be a nice gadget player at the next level. And this could just be the start of his rise.
0: And we're also going to be keeping an eye on Isaiah McGuire, the defensive lineman from Mizzou and from Kansas offensive lineman Robostick and Lonnie Phelps, the the linebacker. Okay, let's let's talk a little chiefs for a second. Uh Uh, Luckily for them, they draft last um, and which is number 31 this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no big obvious need for the Chiefs. But my gosh, this was, uh, you know, this was an organization that had 10 draft picks uh, in last year's draft. They played 10 rookies in the Super Bowl. Uh, it was a great year for Brett Veach, the general manager, and he goes into these looking for opportunity, as everybody does, but he seems to take advantage of his opportunities as much as any general manager. Do you have any early vibes on on what the Chiefs might do and who might be there for the Chiefs at 31?
1: Yeah, f- first and foremost, I, I feel like knowing what Veach has done in the past, I, I, just, I have this inkling of a feeling that he's going to just trade out of the spot because to them, that would be the most benefit. They had all these young guys last year that had really key, important roles on the roster and that are growing and developing that are going to likely most of them will take a, a next step. And it was a huge plus that they got Karloftis and McDuffie in the first round last year, which were two major needs for them. And as they improve, that's going to be important for the improving of the roster, but like no major needs your best bet's trading back. It's the acquiring picks. It's getting yourself in a position to just add depth. That's what they need right now. But if they stuck around at thirty-one, uh, it feels like that they would probably snag one of these receivers. I feel as though that the receiver group was good enough for them to win the Super Bowl. But to them, for them to get back to the same level of aerial attack where Travis Kelsey isn't getting any younger, you're going to need to add some guys into the fold to be big weapons for Patrick Mahomes and perfect for him this year as we know that Mahomes loves fast, explosive receivers. There's a lot of really speedy guys in this class. So I look at guys like Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. I look at like at guys like um, Zay Flowers from Boston College, Parker Washington from Penn State, and Josh Downs from North Carolina. All of them are on the table and maybe they're trying to foresee a replacement for Travis Kelsey they could get a tight end and one big name to pay attention to there that I'd, I'd be willing to take in that spot is Dalton Kincaid from Utah who not the same player but gives some vibes in the sense where Travis Kelsey's a a guy that you put out in the slot he dominates after the catch he's a good route runner I get the same thing from Dalton Kincaid
0: yeah and Chiefs the, the wide receiver position uh, is looks like there's some opportunity there with Players like McCole Hardman, Juju Smith Schuster, Justin Watson and the you know, all three agents and yep. uh, and you know, especially all three of them are gonna look for the best deal for themselves and should. Um, so hey, look, if the Chiefs trade out of that first pick, a lot of people in Kansas City gonna be a little disappointed because <laughs> the draft, I'm looking out the window of where I'm sitting right now and the place where the draft is going to take place is about I know about three football fields away. So um, be a long first night for the Chiefs anyway. And if they trade out of the first, you'll have uh, some unhappy Chiefs fans. But nobody can argue with the success of Brett Veach. He has done it. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, He has done a terrific job with this organization. So, Joe, that was great stuff. I I really appreciate you talking to us and um, and we will be in touch down the road. Uh, Have a great combine.
1: Thanks. Appreciate having me on, Blair. It was, uh, it was great chopping up with you, and I'm, I'm sure we'll connect again soon before the draft.
0: Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the star has to offer digitally, including sports and the E-Edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Herbie Teope, less than two weeks ago, the, the Chiefs held their Super Bowl parade, and here we are. Uh, Getting on with the business of the 2023 season, that's the way life works in the NFL, doesn't it? It just, it rarely takes a break. Yeah, life comes
2: at you fast in the National Football League. It's like you just mentioned, we were two weeks, just two weeks ago, we're in Phoenix. Uh, And now we're shifting focus to the business side of football, which happens on March the 15th when the league's NFL calendar year starts. The Chiefs have a lot of business to take care of here in less than a month. Uh, right now, they're less than a million in salary cap space, so we know Brett Veach and his magic. He's going to have to work some, some stuff there if he wants to be actively engaged in free agency. And the Chiefs have a lot of them, uh, 16, 17 players, and including some big names. Orlando Brown, obviously the big one. He's probably eligible for the franchise tag again f- uh, from the Chiefs. Juju Smith-Schuster's a free agent. McCole Hardman's a free agent agent Jarek mckinnon is a free agent andrew wiley their starting right tackle is a free agent the list goes on and on and on so brett veach uh will have a full plate and a lot of that starts now in indianapolis at the nfl scouting combine
0: yeah we'll, we'll get into some of those players but um even you know you got the combine that goes through the weekend or early when does how long does the combine last
2: yeah, the, the Combine now is going to last through Saturday. And obviously, this is a, a whole bunch of players going through drills. It's what TV people love. It's what fans love. But for teams, the most important aspect of the Combine are your formal interviews and especially the medicals, uh, the physicals, everything that they're going to go through. And that's the reason why the Combine started. The Combine wasn't about the drills. That, that's what the NFL is selling. The Combine is about these formal interviews. It's an opportunity for these coaches. And general managers to sit down with draft prospects, and if there are any medical concerns, this is where it's going to happen.
0: You know, I was reading the crawl last night, watching college basketball, and and so, you know, you, you get this combine news that some quarterbacks aren't throwing, and uh, so, some are waiting for their pro days to, to to work out. What what does that mean, and why why does it happen that way?
2: It's over. Look, that's all of that. When somebody decides they don't want to work out here at the Combine, and, and we know this from talking to Brett Veach, they have tape. Okay. You got to remember when you're throwing in drills, you're not in pressure, you're throwing in the air. So it's like, I, I know that like for TV purposes, they want to make a big deal out of it, but it's really not a big deal because the tape don't lie. You've heard Brett Veach say that numerous times. So, so I, I wouldn't read too much into it.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. That's, yeah, I heard Jalen Carter, the Georgia, you know, uh, lineman, isn't going to work out there. He's going to wait till his pro day at, at Georgia, and um, and I think Bryce Young is not throwing anyway. That's that's stuff that, um, uh, that that I find interesting. Just I, I don't know how teams see that. Maybe they don't care. Um, but uh, one, a little aside to this before we continue, you know. Maybe Kansas Citians want to pay a little closer attention to the combine and the prospects this year because they're all going to be in Kansas City at the end of April when the NFL draft is at Union Station. So, um, you know, we'll see the the Will Andersons and the Bryce Youngs and Jalen Carters and um, just uh, all the top prospects uh, coming out this year will be in Kansas City, April 27th through 29th.
2: Let me toss something in there real quick about these players who are not working out here. If if a team is interested in them, don't forget, they get, they are allowed to bring in players uh, during the pre-draft process. They can, they can bring them to the stadium. I mean, excuse me, to their home venue, but they cannot work them out. But what they can work them out for private workouts is on the, on the players college campus. So, you know, for example, go back to Patrick Mahomes, (laughs) Sean Payton, from the Saints flew out to Lubbock, Texas to work him out. Andy Reid flew down there to work him out. So even if they don't work out here, they'll have opportunities outside of college tape to see what these quarterbacks are about.
0: Right. I was just getting the like the, the spring football schedules for the local colleges, and they all include like NFL pro days. So there's sometimes during the team's spring workouts, you'll have pro days on campus. And um in K-State, a school near and dear to your heart, Herbie. Four prospects at the Combine this year, including Deuce Vaughn and Malik Knowles, uh, Felix Anudike Uzama, and uh, Julius Brents. So, well hey, represented.
2: You, you get major kudos for just seamlessly pronouncing the, the last name there. I wasn't even going to try it.
0: <laughs> it. It took me three years to get that down. It took me three darn years to get Felix Anudike Uzama pronounced, and I hope it's correct. I don't, I'm not even 100% sure it is. but. Um, OK, hey, listen, even you got the combine, but then you've got like the follow the next week, the franchise tag deadline or it's coming up pretty soon, isn't it?
2: Yeah, you've got the franchise tag deadline coming up here the first week of March. And obviously, uh, we're going to keep a, a cl- very close eye on what the Chiefs do with Orlando Brown. And then shortly after that, the week after that, you've got the, the open negotiation period between teams, a 72 th- hour period, which you see a lot of people. uh redundantly say, you know, legal tampering, No, you know, it's just right. call it what it is. It's open negotiation period where teams are allowed to reach out to free agents, representative of the free agents, and try to work out a deal before the start of the lease under the year. Then after that, it just never stops. Then after that, you've got, uh, w- whether the team will apply the fifth year option on first round draft takes. So Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the name that's going to be coming up here a lot over the next month. We get Brett Veach on Tuesday uh, afternoon, so I'm sure a lot of these questions that we have, he'll be asked. I know I have a long laundry list of questions I want to ask
0: Veach. For sure, uh, no doubt. Um, all right, let's let's just let's do trans- transition right into the Chiefs. You mentioned Orlando Brown. That is the franchise tag decision that needs to be made, right? Yes, absolutely. Because if you can't
2: work out a long term deal with this guy, they tried last year. But you have to remember, Orlando Brown did not have an agent uh, during this whole period. And I don't, I don't believe he didn't, he didn't secure an agent until like just before start of training camp. So you know, his new agent is going to want to hear what the Chiefs have in mind, et cetera. But, you know, I think that tag right now carries. If they use it again, it's an $18.8 million hit. Or, or that's what he's going to be playing under if he signs the franchise tag. The Chiefs want to get him under a long-term deal. Orlando Brown wants to, you know, he wants to stay. He's been saying that all year. He said it again at the Super Bowl, but it is the business side of football.
0: Did did he have a good enough season? I think he. I think he played well down the stretch and in the playoffs. It was the first couple of months that you kind of shook your head a little bit and wondered if he was going to if he was going to be with the Chiefs long term. Do you think the Chiefs have reached the conclusion that he's going to be their left tackle going forward? I believe so because remember, you got the the amount of capital they invested, the draft picks they
2: they. They invested to get Orlando Brown here. You also have to remember, he didn't participate in OTAs. He didn't participate during training camp or any of Well, actually he did show up late for training camp, but he was behind the curve. So maybe the first couple of months or the first couple of weeks of the regular season was a matter of him getting his legs under him. But as you saw and a lot of Chiefs fans saw as the season progressed, he became the guy that the Chiefs knew he would be.
0: Yeah. Um, it ended up, like I said, with a good postseason as well. So, um, all right. <clears throat> the Chiefs go to the combine with a different agenda than other teams do. Uh, you know, they're, they're not the the Bears or the Texans, you know, somebody picking in the first half hour of the draft in the first round. And, you know, those teams are on the clock and the Chiefs, pick last which is number 31 this year by the way right was it the Dolphins that forfeited their first round pick and so the Chiefs pick last that's number 31 um are are they have they gone it seems to me that um you know we we always try to identify needs for the Chiefs and and that's not different this year there's some needs for, for the Chiefs but where they pick and where they've picked in the first round unless they make a move up um, they, they usually can't get a top line player at that position. So, what, what do you? Who are the Chiefs going to keep a close eye on, or what position group do you think the Chiefs, you know, um, you know, will pay close attention to in Indianapolis? A position group that they've already scouted for sure, as you've said, but but they want to talk to interview. What is is there one, or or, or is it just they, they throw a blanket over the whole thing and and see who's available? Yeah,
2: that's a fascinating question, Blair, because remember a couple of years ago, we knew they would lock on offensive line. And that's exactly what they did with Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey, uh, Lucas Niang, and, you know, that group of players right there. Last year, I remember at the Combine, I specifically asked Brett Veach, last year was offensive line. What is it this year? And he said defense. And sure enough, they went defense. I think this year we'll get a hint once Veach talks to us, but they do have needs. I think wide receiver is in need because if you don't bring back Juju Smith-Schuster and, you know, McCole Hardman is allowed to go elsewhere and you don't bring back Justin Watson, now all of a sudden all you have is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Kadarius Toney, and uh, Sky Moore. So you need to bolster that group. Defensive backs, I think, is also a need because if Juan Thornhill signs elsewhere, I know they have Brian Cook, but I think you need to bolster depth there, and I think you need to look at defensive line as well. Carlos Dunlap was a great one-year stopgap. Uh, but you need to get some help there, uh, you know, on the opposite sides of Chris Jones.
0: Yeah. Wide receiver is a positioning group that I keep hearing and you're right uh, about prospective chiefs losses there. Um, Okay. Let's, let's spend a little time talking about the future of Chris Jones. That doesn't have anything to do with the combine, but uh, um, chiefs have to make a contract decision on Chris Jones. And uh, I could, you know, I, I, I understand the case for moving him and getting you – know, his value will never be greater than it is right now, so the return would never be greater than it is now, as it was for Tyreek Hill last year. But I don't know. I, I get a different sense about Chris Jones and what he means to an entire side of the ball than than Tyreek Hill. And um, and so what, what what is your thought about what the Chiefs will end up doing with with Chris Jones?
2: I think, if anything, if we learned from last offseason, anything that Brett Veach does will not surprise us. Uh, if he decides that Chris Jones is, you know, that cap is going to be entirely too much, would we be surprised if he moves him? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. But, but at the same time, I don't think, you know, his situation is is, is kind of like Tyreek Hill. I think this is a completely different situation because, as you mentioned, what he means to the defense. We're talking about a premier pass rusher, you can never have enough pass rushers and he's one of the best in the business.
0: Yeah. Look, I, you could make the case that he was the best defensive player in the NFL this year, that he's passed Aaron Donald as the the top player at his aging. Aaron Donald is the top player at his position. And I believe next season will be his 20, <clears throat> 29 year old season. So still kind of at the, you know, at the peak of his effectiveness in terms of age, maybe it starts to decline when he goes in his thirties, but if you're looking at something like a three-year deal, guaranteed, um, is that uh, is is that a little stretching it a little
2: bit? I, I think that is going to stretch it a little bit. You know, Chris Chris Jones is he's been in this prime. He's still a little bit in this prime, but father time is forever the NFL's biggest enemy. You know, there's always something about once you hit 30 and you're on the other side of it, production does seem to go down. Uh, we'll see.
0: So, so, you don't want to guarantee a three year deal with him?
2: I think you want to guarantee three years. I really don't.
0: Okay. Well, that that likely will come up today too, with, um, you know, in the conversations that you have. Really looking forward to hearing what Andy Reid and Brett Veach have to say. I guess they come to the combine just, you know, like riding a chariot or something as Super Bowl champs, waving that flag and, They'll get a lot of you know pats on the back and handshakes and attaboys and, and all that, just like they did uh, with four, three or four years ago. So this is, um, this is a great time to be Brett Veach and Andy Reid and the Chiefs. So, all right, Herbie, thanks for the insight, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our SportsBeat KC production staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Tip of the cap to Joe DeLeon of the Believe Podcast Network and the stars Herbie Teope for sharing their insights. The Morning Sports Edition was 30 pages today. News about the NFL Combine, college basketball, spring training, and much more check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.